Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So let's talk paper scissors. In today's episode, I have the honor and pleasure to introduce you to two creative, innovative, and talented emerging designers who are going to do big things in this world. In fact, they already have done big things. I am so pleased to introduce you to two of my advanced typography students, Veronica Wisniewska and Marianne Burano. Based in Toronto, Veronica is a graphic designer and graphic communications management student at Ryerson University, working towards a concentration in publishing and a minor in sociology. Beyond graphic design, Veronica enjoys creating traditional and digital illustrations, playing with Photoshop, and has recently discovered a newfound love for type design. She feels most fulfilled when taking on creative projects that combine her passions for design and social justice especially when pertaining to queer communities. Marianne is a Toronto-based designer and visual artist with a passion for education and creating work that highlights underserved communities. She is currently working towards a minor in communication design and a concentration in publishing at Ryerson School of Graphic Communications Management. Her body of work focuses on illustration, branding, and videography. Both of these talented students produced phenomenally consistent design work throughout the semester, and the cherry on top was their original typeface designs. Veronica designed a text face called Eggers, and Marianne designed a display face called Bright. While each of these typefaces is very different from one another, both are original, both are handcrafted, both are beautiful. I wanted to provide a platform for these talented artists to share their work and the stories behind their work. Visuals of their typefaces can be found in the show notes at talkpaperscissors.info. Definitely go check that out. Welcome, Veronica and Marianne. Now, Veronica, I'll start with you. Um, I would like you to please give us an overview of your original typeface and kind of explain to us what your inspiration was for it. Does it have a story? Yeah, so the typeface that I created is called Aggers. um, And basically, I decided to create this typeface because I was really inspired by my aunt, Agatha, and her handwriting. Basically every year for Christmas and for our birthdays, she always creates the most beautiful handwritten cards with the most inspiring messages. So, and what's so special about the cards also is that we always can tell like which card is hers by her handwriting because it's so unique um, and it just has so many interesting quirks to it. So I wanted to basically capture this and make it into a font so I could celebrate her. So Agars is a handwritten typeface, and it's meant for shorter blocks of text or just like minor headings and stuff like that. 
Um, it's super organic and has a lot of distinct features. So for one, it has a lowercase r that's really similar to um, the uppercase r. It's just basically the uppercase r in a smaller size. There's also a generally large x height, um, except for certain letters are the exception, the lowercase b and d, and this comes directly from her handwriting. That's awesome. I love that you took this kind of amazing little nugget of family-ness and you were able to to kind of create your own typeface inspired by her work. I love that. And Marianne, can you tell us a bit about your typeface and what the inspiration was? Sure. So Bright is really my modern take on old vintage shop signs. It was actually supposed to be called Morning Glory to call upon the feeling of a cold December sunrise, but my friend actually advised me against it. So I renamed it to Mary as in M-E-R-R-Y, but then I thought about it and I thought it would seem a little bit narcissistic to name a typeface after myself. So I changed it again and we have Bright. Uh, I was really admired by the dramatic swashes of hand-painted signs and that, again, very vintage feel. And specifically, I thought of the signs on vehicles known as jeepneys, which are a mode of public transportation in the Philippines, which is where my family is from. And that's super fitting just because the Holidays are a huge part of Filipino culture, as well as my own family traditions. And so to be able to combine the two was just perfect for me and this typeface. I think that Bright is the best paired with thin sans serif body text and adds some festive fun to any project. Ideally, it's used for headlines, titles, um, signage. And I also chose to include some ball terminals to call upon and reference Jingle Bells. And that's really the typeface's original inspiration, the holiday season. It's super festive, super, super pretty. And I can absolutely see it on the front of a Christmas card, in the, I don't know, historic distillery district, some sort of signage in there for the holiday season. It is beautiful. Well done. Now, I asked you both to think about the sensory aspects of your typefaces. So it's a bit of a weird question, but what do you think that your typefaces, what what do you envision them smelling like, sounding like, tasting like? Any any thoughts, Veronica? I think agar smells like fresh ink on paper, and I think that's really fitting considering it's meant to be a handwritten typeface. And I find that that scent is just also really comforting and just really lovely. And it kind of ties back to the whole uh, original concept behind the typeface. As for what it sounds like, I feel like it sounds like kind of folky alternative music with, but like imagine if you were listening to it outside with like leaves rustling and just like kind of nature sounds, like it's just a good vibe. Um, It feels like a warm hug. I, I think it does. I have talked to other people about it as well, and they've agreed. So it feels like, and it tastes like a freshly baked pie. What flavor of pie? That's the real question. I was like trying to figure it out. I want to say peach, like something, also like cinnamony kind of, maybe a little bit. Maybe a pumpkin pie? Maybe. I'm just personally not a fan of pumpkin pie, so. You don't like pumpkin pie? I, I do not. <laughs> I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost feels like fall. No, I agree. I definitely get that, um, that energy from it too. It's like this warm handwritten note that your aunt has sent you at the beginning of the school year, ready to get a semester started. (laughs) 
I'm putting words in your mouth again. No, I maybe love that. Like that. <laughs> it makes okay. me happy. But she's also she's like also in school right now, so it's nice because we kind of go through it together. And she doesn't send me handwritten notes, but a lot of really heartfelt messages. So <laughs> wonderful. And Marianne, what about you? So the way I envision Bright to appeal to the senses is definitely through um, nostalgia. So specifically, this feeling of wonder and whimsy, of like a child in a toy store. It definitely feels like the warmth coming from a hot chocolate, like of a mug. And it smells like a warm tray of holiday cookies. My family is huge on baking. And so that's really what I wanted to capture with Bright as well. In terms of its sound, I think it sounds like jingle bells and just merry fun times and the whispers of stories told at night in like those little old storybooks that my Lola used to me used to read to me and I think it really just transport you transports you into this world of sweet holiday cheer and that might just be me because I love the holidays but that's what I wanted to convey and I hope it does <laughs> I think it does absolutely and I have to ask what so what is your family's favorite thing to bake what do you like to make during the holidays? My family is your basic Filipino immigrated from the Philippines to Canada family. We love our Christmas ham. Um, And it's really funny because we have to buy it in like September because all the Filipinos get it really early. And you put a pineapple on it, you put some sweets on it. Filipinos are big on sugary yet savory things. And that's Christmas for you. We don't have turkey. We just have pineapple ham. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds delicious. (laughs) So Veronica... How did you approach this design? Kind of what did your creative process look like for your typeface? So I feel like my approach and process was a little bit different than everyone else's um, in the class just because I was working off of handwriting. Like I already had characters that I was pretty much trying to replicate. Um, So what I did was I got together a bunch of samples of my aunt's handwriting and like really I really took a long time and looked at it and picked apart all the different like different characteristics of it Um, and then based on that I kind of drew out each individual character and then I took a picture of what I had uh, drawn and I put it into Illustrator um, on a layer and then on another layer what I had done was I screenshotted or I took pictures of like all of my samples and I screenshotted Um, just like the individual characters that I was planning on kind of like basing my characters off of. So I would have two layers that I would toggle, one that had my hand-drawn characters and then one that had the original characters. I'd kind of, I'd usually start with the hand-drawn one and I'd trace it and then I'd jump back and look at the other one and see how they compared. And sometimes I would just like adjust anchor points to try to keep it looking authentic. And that was kind of, it was a really difficult process because I didn't, really take into account the fact that although like her writing looks very um, uniform and you feel like there's certain rules some characters didn't follow certain rules or like even when you think about your own writing you'll never write like a lowercase a they won't all look identical so I kind of had to find a middle ground between like I had to find the most the a that kind of fit it the best um, and try to create that Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think you approached it the right way in the sense that you could see it as there's a whole bunch of different A's, you'll never get it right. Or there's a whole bunch of different A's, there's likely one there that's going to work for my original typeface. Yeah, exactly. 
Marianne, what was your creative process like for this? How did you approach this design project? So my creative process for this project, as with all of my projects, starts with a lot of research. So both of my sisters are designers, and so I'm fortunate enough to have access to a lot of resources and books. So I did a lot of my initial digging there, but also because I am your basic Gen Z, I love Pinterest and I love Instagram. So I create mood boards for everything that I do. And when I look back on the mood board that I created for this project, I found that everything that I consistently liked was a very vintage old school vibe. And so I stuck with that. And once I did that, I started to do some research into very Filipino type because I think with all my work, I like to infuse it with my heritage, my culture. And that's, so that's what I did, especially with the hand-painted sign aspect of it. Um, a lot of the work that you see in the Philippines, if you go into the towns, it's all hand-painted or at least resembles that. But when it came down to drafting my actual typeface, I definitely relied heavily on LinkedIn Learning. You know, Charles Nick's type design course is great and it really helped me create that uniformity that I was, that I was looking for throughout all of my characters. But it was pretty hard to do, especially because a lot of my uppercase letters feature these swatches that don't abide by any of the rules that are set. And so working with that, trying to fiddle between what works and what doesn't was a long, laborious task, but it was great. And I enjoyed it after I finally got the hang of things. It's not an easy task by any means to design your own original typefaces. And I give you, uh, I give you both huge amounts of credit for pulling off what you pulled off. I mean, you're both very talented designers and I've been able to see that throughout the semester in the work that you've submitted, but typeface design has been likened to composing music. So it's one thing to appreciate great music, it's another thing to compose a symphony. And in in that kind of uh, vein, I think both of you have composed your own little beautiful soundtracks, pieces, whatever this semester, because again, there, there's a lot of rules and regulations behind typeface design that many people who have never tried it before uh, don't maybe don't necessarily know. So there's a lot of creativity, but there's also a lot of process and a lot of rules that are established in those first few characters, in the shapes that you form in those those initial letters. So I give you both huge credit for tackling this and being so um, committed to the act of learning how to do this the right way because it's it's challenging to say the least. So can you both now discuss your design decisions? We're going to get a little nerdy here around things like X height, cap height, ascenders, descenders, overall proportion of your letter forms. What are some of the technical aspects of this design that perhaps you're really proud of? Or what what are some of the technical pieces that you can tell us about in your designs? Veronica? So because I was creating this typeface based off of some handwriting, there were already certain rules in place and there were things that I knew I had to do in order to stay true to um, the handwriting. So for example, the X height was generally pretty large um, throughout and this didn't go for all the characters. Um, so it was kind of frustrating because when you look at a block of text or a block of her handwriting, you're, you, you, like the first thing you notice is the X height, at least 
for for me noticing these things also my mom's a graphic designer so we always like get excited about that and she was like I was gonna say not everyone notices the <laughs> yeah that was just but... me and my mom <laughs> but we were like that was like the first thing that really like struck us was like oh yeah her handwriting has just the x height is huge but then the more I looked at it the more I'm like okay it's not actually every letter it's just most letters or like certain letters but in order to like maintain readability and to make sure that it kind of flowed well I just decided to maintain a large x height amongst most characters not all like I like I mentioned earlier the lowercase b and d did have a smaller x height and that mainly uh that mainly just st- like stemmed from the fact that most of the B's and D's that I found were significantly or did have a significantly smaller X height than the rest. So I decided to kind of make that a rule. Um, When it came to ascenders and descenders, I didn't really think about this as much as I should have. But in the end, it worked in my favor because when you're writing, your descenders will rarely like reach the exact same point. Same with your ascenders. So um, I didn't have like a set height. I kind of had like a lines that I had to meet when I was designing I kind of did two and I would like have like certain letters would reach the first line certain letters would reach the second line and then some would kind of fall in between Um, and this was mainly just to like stay true to the fact that it's it's handwritten and they're rarely going to be on the exact same point but they're they fall very close like it's not a, a huge difference. So tell us about your your typeface from a geeky technical perspective. I love that. And sure. So I selected a fairly high X height for bright because I knew that the letters would have a pretty high contrast between its thick and thin strokes. So specifically the uppercase and the lowercase letters have the same thickest weight. So the thickest weight on the uppercase is the same thickest weight on the lowercase. And I did that because in the initial drafting phase, when it's just on a paper, everything looks fine. Everything looks uniform. But when I put it into Illustrator, I found that when I put the characters beside one one another, it just looked off. And it looked like the lowercase a was from another typeface. It looked like it was too small to fit the uppercase a of the font that I was creating. And so when I made the thickest weight the same throughout the uppercase and the lowercase, it just created this uniformity that I was really looking for. And that being said, I realized that when it was zoomed out, it was just completely illegible. And so I decided to create white space wherever I could. And I did that by making the X height super high. And that created the white space that I really needed. And that white space is pretty consistent throughout my entire typeface. It varied between this rounded rectangle shape that's seen in the O's and that's translated into the lowercase b and d's. But then when I was designing the uppercase letters, I found that this rounded rectangle just wasn't fitting it. It wasn't fitting in. And so I created this semi-circle that had like a blunt edge that looked like a D. And I thought that was great. And it fit for the purposes of my typeface. And I was really lucky in that sense. But in terms of creating a visual hierarchy throughout my typeface, I really wanted the uppercases to be significantly larger than lowercases. And so I did that by having most of the uppercases reach the descender line or at least surpass the baseline. And so that would make it perfect for the titles that I envisioned this typeface to be used for. And in terms of the, I guess, the composition of each of the letters, of lowercase letters specifically, I also followed this 
rounded rectangle shape. And that just worked out throughout my typeface. Again, very fortunate for me. I didn't think it was going to work, but I'm happy that it sort of did. Kudos to both of you. I mean, I think with these, as both of you kind of alluded to, until you actually get in there and you try and work with some shapes and work with or the, the thickest part of the character, both uppercase and lowercase, without actually trying that out, you don't know. And without actually then putting the letter forms beside one another, you don't have an idea of what it will look like overall. So it takes a lot of of effort, not just to create the letter forms and the rules that will dictate all of the other letters' designs, but also then throw in the spacing, which is a whole other element, the marking and then the spacing. So again, kudos to both of you for making it work. You, you've, you've done it. Well done. But if you were both to turn that typeface into a fully functional open type font file, how would you expand the character set beyond the typical uh, letters of the alphabet, uppercase, lowercase, numerals? Are there any additional glyphs or alternate characters that per- perhaps are a bit unique to your typeface that you would want to include? Veronica? So I'm actually in the process of doing that right now, which is kind of exciting. <laughs> I spent the last weekend um, just playing around with a plugin for Illustrator and um, just kind of figuring out how all of that works because obviously it's something you have never done before but it's been really exciting so far and I have developed or I have made um, the the characters I have so far uh, drawn out for Eggers um, I have made them into uh, a working OTF which is super exciting <laughs> but now um, yeah I am planning to add additional characters um, I'd love to add ligatures. Uh, I think that'd be really important in a handwritten typeface because sometimes when when you're writing, your hand just doesn't fully, your pen won't lift off the page completely, especially I've noticed between like the FI or TI, wherever those kind of, um, that diagonal stroke connecting with like the point of an I, sometimes the point will disappear and the stroke will just kind of um, continue out. So I definitely want to create some ligatures. Full, full set of numerals. I'd love to also create alternate characters, characters that tend to repeat a lot in words or like that, that appear side by side. Two L's will commonly appear side by side. So I'd like to create an alternate L so that when you're typing, it looks more organic because it kind of, I feel like that's what takes, that's what takes you out of the handwritten feel is seeing two identical L's side by side. And then you know, okay, well, this is a font. <laughs> it's not handwritten which is what it's it's trying to be so um that's definitely something that i'm going to try to work on probably the next few days actually just to incorporate but yeah and i love that you said uh, you made a great point that so ligatures as we know are used so that characters that would normally crash into one another in weird ways like an fi for example will create the type designer will create a ligature that connects the two of them so that that crash doesn't happen or it happens but in a neat and tidy way perhaps that's a better way to say it so but i love the idea of ligatures especially for handwritten typefaces because i am totally guilty of that of just kind of scribble printing and my letters meld into one another so i think that absolutely would make your handwritten typeface that much more believable and I love the idea with the L's as well so that sounds like a great plan and it sounds like you're well underway. Marianne any thoughts? 
So in terms of creating an open type font file, I think the first thing that I'd want to do with Bright was to create alternate characters for the uppercase letters, just because when I was doing research into typefaces that were similar to my own, I found that their alternate character set already had those flourishes, already had those loops that I built in to Bright. And so in this way, I can't set any of my text in all caps because the flourishes and the swashes all combine and it's just not very appealing. So that's definitely on my list if I were to create an open type font file. And that's something that I do really wanna do. Uh, just giving myself a break after this semester and then I'll jump right into it. But again, I think ligatures would also be really cool, especially to call upon that hand-painted vintage vibe where a lot of the characters sort of interact with one another, especially in terms of ligatures. So one idea that I had was um, for the T and the H when they're beside each other was for the stem of the lowercase h to loop around the lowercase t and create the crossbar for it. And I think that'd be really cool and really just draw upon, again, those really vintage vibes. For the Y, for the lowercase Y, I think it would be cool if it were to underline the characters before it. That'd be really interesting as well. Um, maybe for the L's and the K's as well. Really playing with the ascenders and different stems, I think that'd be really interesting. I love that idea. And again, making it just very, very festive, very merry. I kind of, you know what, I, you said that before that it would be narcissistic to name your typeface Mary, <laughs> but I kind of love that it would be a play on on yeah. your yeah. name. But anyway, no, Bright is still magical. So. <laughs> <laughs> so do you ladies have any favorite design or lettering or typography accounts that you follow on social media or elsewhere, maybe even favorite books that inspire you? Any thoughts about that, Veronica? I think one of the, I mean, most common accounts that's followed by anyone really in the graphic arts is good type. <laughs> I can't get enough. <laughs> I feel like I've been following them for so long. Um, and then also today I discovered, or I found, um, I think it's called type department, but it's basically, yeah, just an account full of, or it's like, it's like a typeface shopping center. Um, but there's such a variety of different typefaces and it's really cool. <laughs> also not related to typography, but something that really inspires me in general is uh, Evan Cohen's illustrations. Again, not at all related to typography, but they're like the most beautiful, pastel-y, high detail illustrations. Highly recommend looking into Evan Cohen. That's great advice. I will check that out. Marianne. So I will be plugging my sister for this portion of this podcast. So my sister at Local Christine um, is a crazy talented illustrator, artist, streamer, designer, all that good stuff. Motion designer also. And I'm also featured on there sometimes. So that's one of the perks of having a cool artist sister. I get drawn sometimes. But again, I also love, love, again, good type design. The designers and artists at This Is Franchise, Valentin Nouvelle, Elili Fernandez, Nini Perez, uh, Alex Klaas, Sony Ross, The Art of Maku. There are just so many. And I really get my inspiration from artists just because when artists write with their own handwriting, I just find that so beautiful. And they're just accidentally typographers. And that's where I get a lot of my inspiration. I love that idea of being an accidental typographer. I think maybe we're all a little that's bit so accidental true. typographers, maybe not always the prettiest handwriting, but that's, I, I love that. I'm going to steal that, an accidental typographer. 
If people want to learn more about you, about you, Veronica, about you, Marianne, where can they find you? Where, how do they get in touch? Any thoughts? So if you want to see uh, some of my recent work, um, I've just actually finished building a website. So that's veronicavish.wordpress.com. Uh, V-E-R-O-N-I-K-A-W-I-S-Z.wordpress.com. Yeah, I just mainly have like some recent work up there if you want to see. There's also my contact information on there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Underscore, um, it's at underscore very V, V-E-R-Y-Y-V. Um, I don't really post too much design stuff on there, but I'm trying to get back into the habit of doing that. So it's also the best way to get in contact with me. Thank you. I'm going to check out your website. I'm excited. <laughs> Marianne? Sure. So you can reach me on my personal Twitter and Instagram at Mary Ah. That's M-A-R-Y-A-U-U-E. So the two N's are upside down, so they're U's, as well as LinkedIn. I am also in the works of touching up my portfolio website, and that's MarianneBarano.com. So M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-E-B-U-E-R-A-N-O. It's a long one, I'm sorry, but it was free. And I hope to get that up before the end of this year, going into 2021, hopefully, depending on how the rest of December goes and treats me. I love that. Thank you both. Now, I have started a little tradition here at Talk Paper Scissors with all of my guests, uh, and I have a final question for each of you. If you could choose only one typeface to use for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Veronica? This is a very difficult question for me. <laughs> I'm a very indecisive person and I jump back and forth between different typefaces all the time. Just even for like, I like to type my notes and I always kind of at the beginning of the semester, I'll set like a specific typeface I'm using for all my notes. And it's always, I will literally spend days trying to figure out what I want. So this question is really difficult and I don't really have like an answer that I'm confident in because I know it will change tomorrow. So what did you choose the, at the beginning of this semester? I'm curious. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember what it was. Um, this semester I settled on Barlow, which is like, okay. It was, it was an okay semester. But lately, I've really been feeling Gibson, which I discovered through, or like I, I guess, paid more attention to because of the project that we did, uh, Tale of Two Typefaces. So it's, I really kind of fallen in love with it. And I wasn't expecting that. This is a love story, people. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. I bring people and typefaces together. <laughs> Marianne, how about you? So I love this question. I am also very indecisive and I also set my Google Docs to have a very specific typeface and that always correlates to how I'm feeling for that semester. Right now I'm feeling kind of small and needing of some attention. So I chose Nanito because it's very tiny, but it's also like, <laughs> look at me. So that's where I'm at right now, but I wouldn't use that for the rest of my life. I wanted to say Comic Sans or like Papyrus just to like get on people's nerves, but I won't do that. So. I'm going to stick with a basic answer and say Avenir, just because it comes in a lot of different weights. And I think I would never be able to type essays for my thesis in Papyrus. I think I'd be kicked out of school. So Avenir. Right. And it would just be so annoying and so irritating to look at. I just, I couldn't handle that. <laughs> but, but Papyrus is actually a very well design typeface from a technical standpoint, which is was shocking to me when I did some research about papyrus. So it's yeah, but I'm glad you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so you are both 
almost done this undergraduate journey and you are going to be unleashed into the world and you'll be able to make your magic for your clients and the companies you potentially work for. And I can't wait for that to happen for the world's sake. So thank you both for doing amazing work and for being amazing women in this industry. And I, yeah, I I look forward to our paths crossing again in the not so distant future, hopefully. Thank you both. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.